We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here for the Field of 60. Today, we are bringing you another episode in our Off the Carousel series, where we will be joined by each and every new head coach to the Division I ranks. There are almost 60 of them. We're going to be rolling these out a couple of days throughout the month of May and the month of June. So make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And if you like this interview, don't be afraid to tap that like button. That stuff really does help our channel and help our presence on YouTube. It helps more people like you find this content. And since I have you guys here, make sure that you check out our Instagram and TikTok pages. We are going to be pumping out more unique content over there throughout the summer heading into next season. Like, for example, did you know that Penny Hardaway was shot when he was a player in college? I bet you didn't know that. There are more stories like that on those pages. The links are in the description below. So now, without further ado, let's get into another edition of Off the Carousel. And to, uh, today's episode of Off the Carousel, I'm joined by the new head coach of Alabama A&M, Otis Hughley Jr. How you doing today, coach? Good, good. Appreciate you calling. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you started out your coaching career at Wallace Community College Selma. And not only did you coach the men's team, but you actually coached the women's team at the same time and had tremendous success with both of them. Can you explain how, how that worked out like time-wise when it comes to coaching two teams at literally the same time? Um, most of it is just favor is not fair. <laughs> just God's favor and grace is the biggest reason I would say in hindsight. Um, but it really allowed me to cut my teeth, uh, as a guy who has to manage 168 hours in a week and, and really be a good steward at that, that time. That's your second most valuable asset. I, asset, I believe is your time second to your soul. And, uh, you put your heart and soul into it. You invest your time. Uh, you know something good will come out of it. Some some type of return. It may not be wins, <laughs> but you know, fortunately, by God's favor, it turned into something real, you know, real amazing. Were there any like distinct differences that you have when it comes to coaching the men's and women's team, philosophy wise, or maybe in, in your approach, or was it pretty much the same? No, a little different, a little different sensitivities as far as the game below the rim as opposed to above the rim. The men's game is above the rim. The women's game was below the rim. And, 
especially at that level. Um, you have a few now that can dunk, but the, the game, by and large, in the women's game is played below the, below the rim. So a lot of strategy has to be enlisted and more employed, more preparation, and the preparation is a lot different, more detailed. Um, men, you know, you know, a lot of skill covers a lot of ill. <laughs> so, you know, when you can, when you can jump and fly and get athletic, um, you know, some things you just keep simple. You know, with the women, they're smarter in, in a lot of ways that you know, they listen better. So you can really do a lot more teaching. And uh, that's just what it was for me. It could be different for others. Uh, now that I've coached both men and women in my later career as well, it's been the same. It's just been consistent throughout. You can teach more. You can teach both, but you can teach more with the, with the women. Uh, as long as you know what you're doing and you can, you can move the needle in, in developing people and, and getting, getting things going in the right direction, they're going to listen. And that's, on, that's with both, but more so, you know, with the women. And speaking of women, your your last stop was with the Nigeria women's uh, national team, and you recently went to Tokyo for the Olympics. Can you talk about that experience with them as well as uh, winning the several uh, continental titles in Africa with them and how that experience has helped you as a coach? Well, there again, it made me revisit detail. And proper preparation prevents poor performance. And you have to know what you're doing before you even go into practice. I mean, you got to get really ahead of things, sometimes months ahead of things. And uh, to scout, with your preparation, with how you relate, and, and just how you, you know, you'll allow people to be who they are organically in the context of how you want to play overall and let them bring to bear who they are naturally. And when you can get that to you know, manifest itself, man, you got a pretty good mixture of, of uh, success and, and learning. I don't think you ever lose. Uh, you, you, you're, this is your first head coaching job at the D1 level, but you were an assistant before at uh, Wright State and Liberty. Can you talk about how, it, how the pieces connected for you to go from Nigeria women to Alabama A&M, and how did that come to fruition this offseason? Well, I also was a head coach in – pro head coach in China and Taiwan. And I coached the national team of Chinese Taipei men and women. Uh, got a chance to work with the national team, men and women in China. And so, and was a pro head coach in China NBA. So there was a, a consultant to a Japanese pro team Antonio Lang was in charge of. Quinn Snyder had that post before for myself. Uh, and Sam Vincent had the post with the Nigerian team before I got. So, um, the, 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 the best of the international game fused with the best of the NBA. Uh, it, I'm able to bring to bear the best of both worlds. You know, a lot of times, you know, our, our national team coach has always been a college coach until recent because it's really a different game. There's no defensive three seconds. That lane is, you can't shoot. They're going to camp out in there. You know, they're going to make you play in a crowd. They're going to build walls. But if you can spread that floor and really, really shoot the basketball, play some really good defense, take good shots, make good decisions, then you can win at any on any front, in any country, in any league, in any level, and doesn't matter men or women. So that 
that's really helped me be able to walk uh, from one world to the other seamlessly because I've had that that experience of getting you know getting beat in those areas and learned how to overcome it. Now I could bring that orientation to wherever I might go. And, and to, to add on to that, we're in a new world in college basketball when you look at the transfer portal, NIL, and you've gone from coaching professionals for a good amount of your life. You've also coached college and high school players as well. But how, how what's the adjustment period for you to go from coaching adults and grown men and women to now 18 and 19-year-olds just starting on their own journey as basketball players? Well, one of the biggest you know, issues most pro coaches would probably tell you if you get a chance to talk to them is they wish they could have caught these kids earlier because they come to you. We draft potential at the NBA level and overseas. We want to get guys that are, you know, well-rounded, but there's always a a fundamental deficit. You know, AU, I think has a lot to do with that. You know, and one that generation, you know, but most international players, you know, they learn how to dribble past and shoot facing the basket early on, and they do it all their life with the fundamentals. So now that you get to go back to this level, now all that you wish they would do, you could be part of the answer, the solution, and, and, and start ushering kids from the outset to that next level, you know, you know, filling them with an arsenal of fundamental background and uh, be able to help them on this side instead of receiving them and having to try to cover it with other things and make up for it with making them great at one or two things. Because in the NBA, you could be great at one or two things. Overseas, you got to be able to do everything. It's a lot tough. Hence, take Ben Wallace over there. He was a specialist. It'd be tough, you know, overseas. You got to do, you got to score, you got to score in the 30s, the 40s, and your team has to win. And you have to be part of every play almost. And or they, they go get someone else. NBA, you know, you can you can be a great shooter, a good defender, a stopper, a rebounder. You can be one of those two things, and, and you can stick for a while. Good locker room guy, you can stick. Uh, so it's a lot tougher to play. And once you understand all those worlds, no matter where you go, um, you could be good at it. But at the post-secondary level, you get a chance to catch those kids before, you know, their game and their basketball DNA is already coded in. You can't change it. You get to impact it a little bit. You mentioned uh, NBA center Ben Wallace, but you actually got to develop uh, uh, another future NBA player in DeMarcus Cousins back in LaFleur High School in Alabama. Can you talk about that experience that you had with him? Because you also joined him in Sacramento as an assistant at the NBA level. What was it like coaching DeMarcus before – he became this big national star in college and in the pros. Yeah, Ben Wallace was also one of my guys in Wallace and Selma as well. And uh, and uh, also had a chance to work for Ben Job at Southern University. I was there with Ben on his second stint. So I got some experience with the SWAC as well early on. Working with the Marcus was an absolute pleasure. You know, it really helped me understand that there were big guys out there that could do more than just play with their back to the basket you know, or face that can do a multiple, uh, a myriad of things. And he's, he's one of those really gifted guys, you know, right now he's with the league and it's, you know, there's no one in particular, but it's trying to keep him at a certain level, but he still keeps showing who he is. He 
He had 19 in his last game, I think maybe 18 minutes, 20 minutes. So a kid like that is resilient and is really, really, really was a joy for me to, to work with. There were tough moments for both of us. But as I look back at it, man, I have a deeper appreciation of what it does. It did for me as a person, a father, and as a coach. Well, was there a specific moment or even game in high school where you where you realized that, hey, DeMarcus Cousins can absolutely be a, a star as a professional player? Was there like a moment where it just flashed where you're like, okay, this guy can be it? I was talking with Ron Briscoe that worked for Nike at the time. He and uh, Tony Dorado were at the practice at the time because we were in Nike school. And it was DeMarcus's first practice ever. He got a rebound on, no, he blocked the shot on one end, came down and scored on the other, came back down, got a steal uh, under the basket, dribbled the length of the floor, and threw a pass behind his back. I stopped practice. I said, wait a minute. Y'all go home. You go home. I I knew that this this doesn't look right. I need some time to process this. Because I'm a big believer in not, taking kids and plugging them into your offense. I'm a big believer in, hey, let's find out what they do, what they bring to the table, what are their gifts, and then we construct the offense, tailored to who they are naturally. And I needed time to process who he was naturally because that's not what I thought. You know, I knew he was really good. I've heard all the stories, but I'd never really seen him play. And when I saw those things, all in two possessions, Actually, four, two defensive and two offense. I had to stop practice. It it just overwhelmed my my basketball orientation at that time, and that's when my world began to open up. And the game, you know, it was already that way globally, but I hadn't seen it domestically. You know, especially with that strength, size, speed, agility, touch, nimbleness, uh, and, and the kid was only sixteen. <laughs> At the time, so I knew then there was something special about this. Awesome. And we asked all the coaches who, who are on, on this series for an interesting recruiting story that was a, a funny one that they still remembered. For you, considering your, your experience with professionals, this could be for any stop in your coaching career, which is something like a, a very interesting moment that's always stuck with you throughout your years as a coach. Well, you know, I've always, you know, I don't like the word pride, but I've always really was real intentional about being honest in recruiting because I knew there were a lot of them that weren't. (laughs) And and, and I knew that you would stick out with the city on it as like a city on a hill lit at night. Uh, But because basically it's just the right thing to do. And some of the players that we were able to get at Liberty University, at Southern, at Wright State, wasn't supposed to get. Kevin Melson was right there in Detroit. He led the nation in scoring. He had three years left. And Detroit at the time, who had Green, uh, Willie Green was the coach with the Pelicans now. They had a really good team. And that kid lived right there. And Coach Perry, uh, I think he had coached the Fab Five at that time. He scratched his head. How did you get him out of there? And I really think it's the truth. And, you know, Jeff Meyer, who placed a kid at Three Rivers, I was at Liberty, and 
6'9 kid, Kenneth Anabonim. And they, I mean, he was there because they recommended him there. And uh, he was a coach at Wichita State, then he was at Winthrop. I was able to go on Three Rivers and get him to come back to Liberty. Because he left Liberty to go to Three Rivers. And because we just told him the truth. We had a top 25 class at that time at Liberty University. And, you know, you know, most of those kids that I signed, all of them were African-American kids. And I'm like, whoa, we just told them the truth. Same thing happened at, you know, at Southern. You know, we had some kids. P.D. Cipriano, who's still a coach. He's at St. Peter's now, but came from St. Anthony. 6'9 kid coming from St. Anthony. So I guess the biggest thing is just be truthful with people. Tell them what you can do and, and, then, and then do it. And it, it, the word will go around. It, it'll get around. Now, it, you know how bad news will be around the world before good news hits its feet in the morning, touch the feet on the floor in the morning. Now, I don't really agree with that all the time, especially not in recruiting. You can create that narrative just by doing the right thing. So there's no, I'm sorry, there's no big, crazy phenomenal story but i think the biggest story for me is that you know just telling the truth to kids and being honest with them and trying to figure out what's best for them not you as a coach or the school or the institution because after all the overarching reason why we should be in this business is try to help kids be the best version of themselves and be able to manage themselves for the next 50 years of their lives they're not here for us we're here for them and I think kids, you know, that that tends to stand out for them. Absolutely. Coach, I uh, will leave it there on that note. Uh, I know you're busy right now handling basketball camp. Can't thank you enough for joining me. Uh, best of luck with Alabama A&M, your first year as a head coach. Uh, and best of luck to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Bless. Bless.